We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Curry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and three, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo in our midweek podcast with all kinds of stuff to share with you this week. First and foremost, though, we do want to give a shout out to our sponsor of this week's episode and pretty much every episode. That's Jim Hawk and his McCall's team. We also want to remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. You can also find our podcasts with Clutch Points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at clutchpoints.com or download the app. Also, don't subscribe and leave a five-star review. We have a contest going on right now. It's going to be going on in probably through much of the next year because it's a slow process. But... Five-star reviews, plus 200 of them on iTunes. We'll give one lucky winner a $75 gift to the NFLshop.com. That's how it works. Head over to iTunes. Leave a five-star review and send us an email, RamsTop1945, the copy of your entry so we know who to reward. And we'll also read your feedback on the show. All right, so the show plan today, though, two great guests. As part of our tour on the league, we have Jeff Risen, who writes for runs. The Lions Wire and also the Browns Wire. And that's where he's here for us today for the Browns Wire. Great guest with lots of information. He's a lot of fun to talk to. Always has good insight. As always, a very good guest with us. And then later on in the episode, we have new Los Angeles Rams wide receiver, Alex Bachman. 
And it was, another, again, another fun conversation, really got into his life and what motivates him. And also, he has a lot, some really big words to say about uh, the veterans on the team and also Sean McVay. Now, we've, you've talked to him after camp there, and he had some different perspectives than what we normally would see, mostly because he's actually there. We hear a lot of this stuff in media, but he can confirm it live on our show and uh, we would appreciate it. Well, he did confirm life for us, and so uh, we want to share that with you as well. Okay, before I get to those things, real quick news breaking today that the Rams have running back Todd Gurley on a offseason workout plan, a fitness plan, whatever you want to say it. ESPN's Lindsay Theory is the one who broke the story, wrote about today that there's a plan for him. is different than the rest of the Rams conditioning plan. I'm not sure if that really means anything. I think it really means they're taking care of him and ensuring that he's in shape, he's in peak condition. I'm not sure if it really means anything more than that. It might be. It might mean more about his rumored knee issues with arthritis and or a possible degenerative condition, but we don't know. The Rams are secretive. He's secretive. So we'll just take away what it is, and that is it's a different offseason plan to take care of that knee. All right. So before we go any further, we also remind you that we're looking for sponsors. And what that means is, hey, Advertise with us. If you've got a small business or a large business or whatever kind of business and you want to reach our listeners, go ahead. Email us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or send us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit that's ready to get out to you. We'll send it out and show you our rates and hopefully you can partner with us. Okay, so now that all those things are taken care of, first things first, let's go ahead and go on out to our tour around the league in our interview with Jeff Risden. All right, folks, I am here with Jeff Risden, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who has his hands everywhere. He's got so many different things. I'll just focus on Browns Wire. He's around Browns Wire. Jeff, how you doing? Very good. Glad to be with you. Well, glad to have you back. You're always a great guest and always full of information. Um, but today's the Browns, and, and let's hop into it. How do you evaluate the 2018 Browns, especially with all the changes they had mid-season, early season, and how did the season turn so quickly under Greg Williams? You know, I, I think you really do have to separate it into two separate seasons. There's the Hugh and the after Hugh, and the Hugh section of the season didn't go very well. It was a, I don't want to say it was a repeat of the 1-31 that they had gone the two prior years, but it was clear that the coaching was holding them back. They just didn't have the energy um, if you watched Hard Knocks at all, you know that, that Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson together was, you know, it was like two buffaloes ramming in heads as fast as they can, you know, in, in, in that mating season. It was awful. Once that got taken care of, I thought Greg Williams was a fantastic interim coach. I'm glad he's not the head coach, but he was the right guy for the job to be the interim coach. And the best thing that happened out of it was two, two really good things. First off was Freddie Kitchens emerged as an offensive coordinator as a creative mind, a likable guy, a guy that the players loved, that they trusted, that they respected. And uh, he played to their strengths very well. And Baker Mayfield emerged uh, after the first three weeks under Tyrod Taylor. He took over, and Baker didn't look back. He was phenomenal as a rookie, 27 touchdown passes, accurate poise. But the biggest thing that he showed was that he is a leader he is not shy about handling the the burden of being the last name on that god-awful jersey that everybody's seen with all the names of the quarterbacks since 1999 on yeah. it. He, he wants that. He loves it. He thrives on it. And uh, he is a rallying point. And uh, it, from that, 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 those are the positives to come out of that season. Uh, and they're, they're definitely trying to capitalize on it because they've been very busy this year. So just on a side note here, just this wasn't planned, but I'm going to ask anyways. Mr. <laughs> I, can't, I can't bring myself to say his name. I can't. I, I can't do it. He should never be a head coach again. I have to think no, never. <laughs> no, no, God, no. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy to me that the Bengals hired him so quickly again. But you know what? That's I mean, they're they're gone too. Um, God bless Marvin Lewis. He's a good dude. I hope he does well at Arizona State. But <laughs> oh man, he was. It was. You know, so so the I'll, I'll give you a good anecdote of their awful. So last year they had a kicking competition going into the the regular season, but they didn't realize that they needed one until like the sixth day of training camp. 
So they called up uh, Greg Joseph, who was an undrafted kicker, to go against Zane Gonzalez, who was their incumbent kicker, uh, wasn't doing very good. But they didn't tell them what they were going to do. So they wound up having a 10-kick kickoff for the <coughs> excuse me for the for the place kicking job one day 10 kicks by each guy in practice that that, that was that was Hugh Jackson's kicking competition <laughs> one of choosing the wrong guy because <laughs> Gonzalez won the job then he lost it because he was awful in the regular season and Joseph came in and was better and actually had they had a good kicker last year they would have made the playoffs they lost three games because of bad special teams last year. Two of those came uh, in, in the Hugh era, too. So that's uh, it, it was just a nightmare, and I'm glad to be done with it. He always struck me as a guy who would be he's fine as, as a coordinator, but you can't trust him to be head coach. Never, ever, ever, ever. And yep, I, I just remember the Browns going down to Cincinnati, and, the, and just – was it in Cincinnati? I'm, I'm a little shaky right now, but it was when Baker Mayfield made the gesture to, to yes. you. And yes. I, I was just thinking. It was fun. Demarius Randall picked off a ball and, and gave it to you on the sidelines, too, <laughs> which was hilarious. One of the highlights of the year. <laughs> but I mean, doesn't that say a lot about how that team felt about him? Yes. And, and it was clear. So, so I, I was only at training, I was at their training camp last year for six days. Uh, I live like five hours away, and it was evident very clearly in my second day, by the end of my second day there, that the team had absolutely no respect for Hugh Jackson. None. It was obvious. Um, and it came across on hard knocks, too, but it was really obvious in person. It was obvious that Greg Williams and, and Todd Haley, especially, had absolutely no use for Hugh Jackson. They're, you could tell that they were lobbying to be the interim coach once he got fired quickly into the season. It was, it was, it was a terrible way to run the franchise, and uh, you know that's the, the, the things seem to be on much better footing now. John Dorsey, as a GM, has made a lot of very good decisions, and I think hiring Freddie Kitchens is one of them. And uh, I hope that really pays off because uh, he can't be any worse than <laughs> than he was, but uh, how much better he is will will tell a lot about how how well this Browns team does this year. Just one last question on Hugh Jackson: Why? I mean, when I, when John Dorsey took over, I thought one of the first things he should do is fire Hugh, and they didn't. Why would he keep Hugh in charge, knowing this guy's resume? One in thirty-one should be enough to get you fired. Period. Oh yeah, uh, there's some conspiracy theories on that. That maybe Dorsey was he, he didn't want to uh, shake the apple cart that much. He wanted to have a scapegoat. Uh, there was a thought that he might click with, with Tyrod at the beginning of the year and, and that Baker, if Baker wasn't ready, that they could ride that train a little bit and then make a clean break to somebody who was a little bit more, uh, more Baker friendly later on. But, uh, he, he, yeah, it, it, I don't get why he did it either, honestly. Uh, but it is what it is. And they're, they're in a good spot now. I, I, I like the, I like getting Freddie kitchens. I like bringing in Steve Wilkes to run the defense. I think, he had a. I don't want to say it was it was all not his fault in Arizona, but he was not a guy who should have been a head coach last year. But he also got a raw deal with with all the injuries that they had, all the personnel issues that they had in Arizona. He got run out a little too quickly, and I, I like the redemption angle with him. And I also like the fact that he's creative uh, and, and can use the personnel that's on hand now. Now you just mentioned that you believe the Browns made the right hire. In Freddie Kitchens, why is he the right hire, and do you trust him to, to and his staff to keep developing Baker Mayfield? Yeah, um, I, I think he's the right. I think he has the right mindset for the job. He's one of those guys. He he comes across as folksy and you know down home. He's got the you know the beer gut, which he's proud of. He's from Alabama. He, he you know pulls out the little Southern colloquialisms that nobody in Northeast Ohio understands, but they're great and it's well received. But he also he has a way of getting with the players. The players trust him. You can see it in how they practice. You can see, you know, how they interact with one another. He he commands their respect. He he has their attention. Uh, his his mind. He, he's a wonderful football mind. You know, Sean McVay. You know, guys like that get a lot of credit. Freddie's right there in terms of creativity and and playfulness and you know a willingness to challenge um, the norm. And I think that's playing very well. Uh, as for Baker's development. He's going to be good with it. I tell you what, they signed Drew Stanton as a backup quarterback who never he know, he knows he's never going to play, but he has been fantastic for Baker. And Baker will be the first to tell you that that uh, 
that Stanton has been great for his development. Uh, Tyra Taylor deserves some credit too. They they both taught him how to be a professional. They they were he's not afraid to be coached. He's a, he's not shy about listening and asking questions. And uh, I, so I think they have a good system in place there. Uh, bringing Todd Monken in to run the offense is interesting. They they both do have air raid backgrounds. Um, Monken's you have to go back a ways, but it, it's there. The roots of it are there. And, and Baker is at his best throwing the ball down the field. Now they've got him some better weapons. We're hoping that the offensive line is still up to snuff. Uh, for years and years, that was the strength of the team. Now it's probably the weakest point of the offense, which is very weird to say. But uh, with with because just the skill positions in Cleveland were so bad for so long, mm-hmm. and now now they've got all kinds of impressive young talent led by Baker Mayfield. I, I I think it's a very exciting young core. Baker wants to be in charge of it. I think that's a big thing. His, his mentality uh, and and how he will play with kitchens and they're 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 very different types of personalities but i think they mesh well together we hope they mesh well together because uh, they they do hold the key to everything right now so what made it possible for mayfield to be so successful so quickly in cleveland some of it is his own doing he is really really accurate he is fantastic at getting the ball when and where it needs to be he can get it there from a pocket he can get it there from from moving around I think once Kitchens came in, he took more advantage of, of Baker's ability to throw on the run, to see the field from outside the pocket. Um, they got they got a career hiccup from Rashad Perriman, which which paid off very nicely. Jarvis Landry caught just about everything thrown to him, except one key touchdown that he dropped, but other, we won't hold that against him. Uh, they, they had a run game. You know, and Nick Chubb was fantastic as a rookie. He broke 1,000 yards, lost five yards on his last carry of the year, so he wound up getting knocked. He went up with 998. He was really, really good. Uh, once once he played more, that, that certainly, you know, got – he split carries early in the season. They had Carlos Hyde for a while. They traded him away, made made Chubb the feature back. That that really opened up the offense. And, again, they just got – they got good contributions from a lot of places. Uh, Rashard Higgins, when he was healthy, was very good. Antonio Callaway – He's very limited in what he does, but what he does, he stretches the field on the outside really well, and Baker seems to trust him. So there's there's some connections there, and David Njoku over the middle. They have a lot of young receiving talent, and Baker isn't afraid to ride the hot hand. He's also not afraid to spray it around. You know, if if Jarvis Landry's having a bad day, he'll go to he'll go to Callaway eight times. He'll throw to Njoku ten times. So there there'll be other games where Njoku is is covered by by a linebacker, and okay, we'll we'll mix it around otherwise. I think that willingness is really important with Baker. It's not something that you see a lot with young quarterbacks. I watched some Sam Darnold last year. I watched a little bit of Josh Rosen last year. I didn't see that in them. I, I think Baker's kind of egalitarian attitude towards things. Uh, some of it comes from from the college offense. You know that you throw to who's open, um, and I think that's carried over. And I think it's something the Kitchens is willing to work with too. And I think that's a very important important piece in this development. So the Browns were both active in the trade market and in free agency. The OBJ trade especially made well it raised everybody's eyebrows. I mean, I think if, if I had four or five, they all would have been raised. Can <laughs> the can the Browns keep him happy long term? And what do you make of the trade overall? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, I think in in the short term, the hope is that he and Jarvis Landry are best friends. They've been best friends since going back to the football camps where they decided to go to LSU together. They are very much a yin and yang combination. Thus far, it seems to be working. And OBJ had worked out with Landry and with Mayfield last year before the season while he was with the Giants, which didn't exactly sit too well with the Giants. Getting him out of New York and into Cleveland, it's... I don't want to say that the Cleveland media is... Well, they're not New York. Nothing's New York. Mm -hmm. Cleveland media, though, loves their hero, but they also love the anti-hero. And I think he is quickly becoming that to Baker. They're, they're going to have to deal with his antics. He's going to do something that pisses people off sooner or later. Um, might have already done that with some people. As long as he's happy for a year, I think they really see this year as a big window of opportunity. Uh, Baltimore is iffy. Pittsburgh, they, they lost a lot. you got Ben, ben Roethlisberger appearing to be on his last leg in Cincinnati. Well, they're the Bengals. Uh, the, the window's wide open. I think they they went all in on doing it this year. Uh, it, it's kind of similar to what the Rams did um, in, 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 in signing guys like Indomitian Sue. 
uh, last year. You know, a guy who had a reputation for not being the easiest guy to play with, not being the easiest guy to coach, but it worked really well. I mean, they got the they got to the Super Bowl and, and darn near won the thing. If if the Browns could even get to the playoffs this year and and win a game, God forbid, I, I think all the OBJ drama is worth it. Now, getting the trade, I was very excited. It was one of those things where it had been rumored for a long time, and uh, some of us behind the scenes had, had heard a lot of whispers of it. We wound up getting all the details right, except we didn't have Jabril Peppers in it. Uh, and he's going to be lost. He's a loss. He, he w- he's quietly a better player than what, that, what a lot of people thought he would be uh, and was emerging very nicely. They're going to miss him. They're going to miss Kevin Zeitler at right guard. Uh, but they'll, they'll, but they definitely got better. Olivier Vernon replacing Emmanuel Ogba. That's they're very different types of defensive ends. Vernon fits what what the Browns needed so much. They needed another guy to say, to have some sizzle across from Miles Garrett. It, it's crazy that we've been talking for what ten minutes. I haven't brought up Miles Garrett yet. Mm-hmm. I think he's an MVP candidate. I think he's going to be a dominant force. He he should be a favorite to be one of the defensive players of the year. Uh, and and everything is built around him now, and I think that's going to be great. They have done a lot of things to help him get better, and, and bringing Vernon in is one of them. Also signing signing Sheldon Richardson, that that very under under the radar move for a guy who's a really darn good player, uh, and fills the biggest hole in their defense. They had a real problem uh, in between the, the ends last year at defensive tackle. Larry Ogunjobi is a solid young player, but they needed somebody else, somebody more dynamic. They went out and got the best guy in the market in, in Sheldon Richardson. So that's they are loaded on defense now. And I, I, that also gives me hope, uh, especially if, if OBJ doesn't work out for whatever reason or if Baker you know gets a sophomore slump. They have a good enough defense to ride out some offensive slumps. And I think that's why they're dangerous this year. Now, one person who was just in town to, to talk with the Browns was Gerald McCoy. What's the word on him? Uh, he, he got, I, I'm not crazy about the way they handled this, to be honest with you. Uh, it was pretty apparent all the time that, that McCoy was a guy who wanted to get shown some love by a lot of different teams to test his market value, see what was out there, have a lot of teams tell him, Hey, you're great. We'd love to have you. Uh, the Browns made a big deal out of it. They, he was the first team that they visited. He did visit with Baltimore. He didn't sign there either. He's probably going to go to Cincinnati. He's probably going to look at Carolina as well, that and, or, or Indianapolis as well. They certainly have the most money to give. Uh, he would be an interesting player. I, I'd love to have him. A fantastic player. But they're running out of long-term cap room. Now, if they want to sign him for one year, that's fine. But if, they, if he wants more than that, they're going to run into trouble because guys like you know, Miles Garrett has to get an extension. Denzel Ward's going to need money at some point. Joe Schobert needs money. He's a Pro Bowl linebacker. Uh, they're going to have to give him some money. Demarius Randall's entering the last year of his deal. They got a lot of really impressive young mouths to feed, and if they're feeding an old one from the outside, I'm not sure how well that would sit. So if if the price is right, I'm fine with it. But if he signs for you know ten million dollars somewhere else, that might actually be a, a blessing for for the Browns to miss out on him. Well. What if it's like a one or two year deal? I mean, he's thirty one years old. He's going to be. Yeah. I mean, he'll be what thirty one. He'll be thirty two next February. So, I mean, he's he's past that thirty year mark. You're not expecting a long term deal at this point for a defensive tackle. Right, and and that's one of the reasons why I'm not sure that I, I think his his willingness to be in Cleveland is a little bit overhyped because I do think other teams are going to have a bigger need for him. Um, you look at, at Indianapolis, they can pay him more, and they have more playing time available for him. He's he's part of a rotation in Cleveland he, with, with Ogan, Joby, and Richardson. Uh, if he goes to Indianapolis, he's starting. You know, If he goes to some other places, Baltimore, looks like he's probably going to be starting if he signs in Baltimore. You know? So there are more – he has broader options than I think the, the Browns anticipated. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens if he doesn't sign in Cleveland – how well they handle all the negative feedback because they hyped it up. They sent out the press releases themselves that he was visiting uh, and sent out a highlight video of him um, in his glory days in Tampa Bay. Uh, that's pretty presumptive. Uh, and it, it could be a sign that they're a little bit too cocky. Uh, but at the same time, I think Baker likes it that way. I think John Dorsey likes it that way. And I think Freddie Kitchens likes it that way. So maybe it'll be one of those, you know, Cleveland against the world type things. I, I, I don't know. It, it's it's definitely worth watching, and it's it's something that I, I hope gets a quick resolution because it's something that uh, 
the Cleveland fan base is pretty divided on it. There's a lot of Browns fans who would just love to have him no matter what. And there's a lot of people who are like, you know what? we got a pretty darn good team already. If, if we sign him for, let's say, three years and $30 million, that probably means that we lose Joe Schobert or Christian Kirksey or, or Demarius Randall. Is that really worth it? And I think it, it's weird for, for Browns fans to have these discussions because they've never had anybody worth extending in the past. And it, it's, it's a happy problem. But going back, I, I would think it wouldn't be a three-year deal, probably a one or a two. I, w- I would hope not. But if somebody wants to give him three years, he'd be stupid not to take it. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Now, the Browns in the draft, for once, they weren't picking high that draft. Matter of fact, I don't think they picked at all in the first round this year. So how do you they grade the whole thing? How do you grade this whole draft class? Uh, well, they, they if you count um, <laughs> what they traded for, uh, it winds up being pretty good because they consider Odell Beckham as the first-round pick. Uh, that, that, that home run right there. So the guys that they did pick, uh, and, and there's only really two of them who are going to factor much on the team in, in 2019, and that's Greedy Williams, who was their first pick. He went number 46 overall, uh, at, or 43 overall at cornerback um, from LSU. He is going to be... He's going to be given every chance to start opposite Denzel Ward, last year's number four pick, who was great. He won Rookie of the Week two times in his first five weeks before he, he tackled his way into concussion problems, which is a problem. Uh, he, Williams is a, is a playmaker. He doesn't tackle. That's going to be interesting to see how that works. But they, this is a team, again, they hope to be up a lot. They hope to have pressure from their front a lot. So he'll be able to make the kind of plays. And, and I get their rationale behind it. Uh, so, so I like that pick. This was a guy who was projected pretty extensively as a top 25 pick, and they got him in the 40s. So for that, it's a good value, uh, and, and and they do have a need. The other guy who's going to play some is, is Sione Takitaki, the linebacker from BYU. They got him in the third round. He is going to be the, the heavy linebacker. Uh, they also drafted Mac Wilson from Alabama in the fifth round, uh, and he's going to be sort of the cover linebacker of they're not going to play three linebackers very often. When they do, it will be those two who are primarily doing it. Um, there's a couple other veterans that are in there. Uh, uh, Darius uh, uh, Taylor is going to be in there as well. Uh, Ray Ray Armstrong will get some looks too. But they're primarily going to be those guys sharing that you know, 20 to 30% of snaps where they have three linebackers on the field. Uh, Taki Taki was a guy that I really liked in the draft process, and I think he's going to have a good impact. He is a very good between the tackles thumper who can also you know chip and, and hit a tight end a little bit. He's very smart, uh, very aggressive, uh, kind of a dynamic personality guy. So I, I think he's a good fit. Uh, Wilson, where, where they took him, is a good value. Uh, I also get why he fell. He's a two hundred and twenty-five pound outside linebacker who's not always the best of instincts or eyes. So I, I get that. But if they can find a use for him and, and get him on, on special teams, especially teams have been dreadful, if they can help that, if he can help there, that's, that's a big asset. And that, that's really, a, they did draft a kicker. They drafted Austin Seibert from Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield loves him and trusts him. That's why he's on the team. All right. So here we go. The, the, the big question here, overall, where do you rank the Browns on paper in the AFC North? And how close are they to being an actual legit contender? I'm not talking like, hey, they might get a wild card, like an actual legit contender. And how many wins do you see on paper for this team? Yeah, in the AFC North, they should expect to win the division. I, I absolutely believe that. And and just like I said, I think their defense gets slept on too much. Miles Garrett is phenomenal. I, I, I if you haven't, I, I can't encourage listeners enough to watch Miles Garrett. He's a freak. It, he's so much fun to watch. And, by the way, Greg Williams only let him use two moves last year, and he's still got 12 and a half sacks. He, he's, he's a – I think he's phenomenal. I, th- I think he's a legit MVP candidate. Uh, th- there's nobody in the division that, that really scares me other than if Baltimore figures out how to use Lamar Jackson. And they, they have some chance of doing that. But, uh, you know, I, I do think they're better than Pittsburgh. Uh, I do like some of the Pittsburgh's young talent, but I think they're they're third, and I think Cincinnati's a distant fourth with the potential to surprise if they can stay healthy and, and get some contributions from their rookies. So I expect them to win the AFC North. I expect them to win 10, maybe 11, maybe if they're healthy, 12 games. Uh, that that would be that, – that, that, that's a lot. But keep in mind, 
They were 7-8-1 and one last year. They had one victory. They beat the Raiders. The referees said they didn't and absolutely stole that win from them. They also missed two other kicks that would have gotten them to 10 wins last year. So if you look at them as a, a team that was a 10-win team last year, I mean, it's not that big of a stretch, and they were so close to it, and they they got they threw away the first three games with with Hugh Jackson. So I, I, you know, it, it sounds like it's a big jump, but it, to me, it really isn't because I think they were better last year than what their record indicated, and they finished strong and they got better. They added OBJ, they added Sheldon Richardson. So I I'm very bullish on what they can do there. I I would like to see them win a playoff game. I think that it's there, but again, the, I think the AFC is top heavy. Uh, you know, New England is obviously New England. Uh, they're they're fantastic for a reason. I think both Kansas City and Los Angeles are really good and capable of winning multiple playoff games. I think if Houston is healthy, they're they're going to be a big factor. Uh, Indianapolis looked fantastic last year. They have such a good young core, so I think they're right there. I think the Browns are. Right there with Houston and maybe the Chargers in, in trailing those team those other teams, but but they're right there in the mix and, and can beat anybody on any given Sunday. So it wouldn't surprise me if they're playing one playoff, at least one playoff game, probably two. Um, and you never know if they get a little lucky, uh, they could they could do more. They have the ability to beat anybody any week, but uh, they have to prove it yet. And they're still very young. Most of the team is still under twenty five, twenty six years old. So. The best days probably aren't here yet, but if they could if they could win a playoff game for the first time since God, I think it's nineteen ninety one. That, that wasn't ninety four. Didn't they win one? It, it was. It was ninety four. Yes, they beat Belichick. <laughs> How could I forget that? Yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's it's been a long time. Uh, twenty five years of of lot of suffering for people. And uh, I'm from Cleveland. It's my hometown. I'm not necessarily a Browns fan, but. God, I'd love to see it for for my family and, and all the, the people back home that absolutely love the Browns. And the the way Cleveland views the Browns is unlike any. I, I've lived in a bunch of of major league cities around the country. There is no connection like Browns fans and their team. There really isn't. Um, I, I've been, like I said, I've been in a number of places. There's nothing like it. Football is first, second, third, fourth, and fifth on the Cleveland sports calendar. Um, and if the if the Browns are good. That, that city's going to be unbelievable. You saw the parade that the Cavs had when, when LeBron brought them their win, uh, the first yeah. title in how, forever how long. Uh, there was two million of us there. I went I went back for that. Uh, I'm a huge Cavs fan myself. The Browns Browns would double that easily, no question in my mind, even in the dead of winter. Uh, it would be hard to, to find anywhere that, that wouldn't be packed if the Browns were to, were to have a season like that. My goodness. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be there week three. I'll, I'll definitely be contacting you for a preview episode because it's going to be that's, that's probably that might be a game of the year on TV, man. That that's going to be, be a it. fun one. You know, it's going to be a fun one. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what 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 all is coming at them this year. That's that's another thing. Teams are not taking this team lightly anymore. They they are going to get a bump in intensity. They're not the guaranteed W on everybody's schedule anymore. So we'll see how they handle that. You know, there, there are some. There are some exploitable points. Their offensive tackle, Greg Robinson, is their starting left tackle. He's not good. He's not as awful as he was with the Rams, but he's not good. Uh, so they have some faults. You know, they have a rookie head coach. They have a lot of young pieces and parts. They, you know, don't necessarily have a lot of depth in the secondary right now. So they have some vulnerabilities. But man, their their front line talent is as good as anybody in the AFC right now. My guess would be Cleveland's going to probably struggle a little bit early and just keep getting better and better as the year goes on. That's that wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, if they if they if they're if they're two and two out of the first four weeks, I, I think I think they'll be fine. But if, if if they struggle more than that, then I think then I think some alarm bells go off. So Jeff, can you let people know where to find you, and also let them know what else because you do a lot. I mean, let <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wear a lot of hats, man. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, uh, so I am the managing editor for the Browns Wire and the Lions Wire. I am a Lions fan, unfortunately, uh, at, at, at USA Today Sports Online. You can check those out at uh, Lions Wire, Browns Wire. Use the Sports Wire app. Uh, it greatly cuts down on the ad usage, by the way, so that's a good little tip there. Uh, I also am the uh, draft draft and NFL writer for RealGM.com. You can check work out there. You can always find me on Twitter at Jeff Risen. That's R-I-S-D-O-N. And if you ever happen to be driving across the state of Michigan, 
On Fridays in football season, I'm on ESPN 96.1 in Grand Rapids and WDFN in Detroit uh, from 3 to 6 every Friday. Dear gosh. And Sunday morning, too. We have a tailgate show before that. So I'm on Sunday mornings from 10 to noon as well. So I, 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 I don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> Does your wife know you're alive? <laughs> uh, most of the time, yes. <laughs> Not on Sundays in the fall, though. All right, Jeff. Thanks so much for, for coming on today. It was a, a bit of a mix and match of timing to get you on, but I'm glad you made it. It was a great, great conversation. I'm glad we could do it. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I cannot wait until that Browns-Rams game. I cannot wait. That is going to be a lot of fun. And for the first time in a long time, if I am a Rams fan, I am worried about the Browns a little bit in this game. I'm just saying. The Browns look dangerous across the board. I do think they'll probably take a little bit of time to gel where the Rams will be together on in this game. So I'm expecting the Rams win. But the Browns, that roster, if you look up and down that roster, it's a scary roster. They're going to be very good, very quick. I'm not going to call them Super Bowl contenders, but... If they do things right there and they can keep Odell Beckham, for example, in line, then I think it'll be a really good building block for them. So, moving on. We do want to give a shout to our sponsor, Jim Hawk. What Jim Hawk did was he wrote this amazing book that provides us this huge piece of L.A. Rams history. So if you want to learn more about that history, a bit of personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood team, Grit Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out some story of his father and team played for an era of glitz, gl- glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You can read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Church, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in the story spent the 1950s LA Rams. Find Hawks book online at hollowsteam.com and on Twitter at hollowsteam. Folks, I've read this book cover to cover. It's well worth the read. And most importantly, all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is a charity organization in the LA area that works get people out of the gang life and make them into productive members of society. It's worth your time. It's worth the effort. And it's a great book. It's a great piece of Rams history. Check it out again. It's Jim Hawks Hollywood scene, Grit, Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. All right, so we've been out there getting in touch with some of the Rams rookies that have signed on with the team, the undirected freedoms especially, and talking to them about what it means to be signed by the Rams, getting to know them a little bit better. And I got to tell you, I was really impressed with Alex Bachman. Check out the interview and judge for yourself. Really, really neat guy. Here we go. Alex Bachman. I'm here with Alex Bachman here from Wake Forest, now a Los Angeles Rams wide receiver. Hey, Alex, how you doing? I'm good, Derek. How are you? It's a good day. It's a good day, Memorial Day. It's a special day in my household, and um, good day to sit down and talk with a new Ram. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. My dad's actually a vet, so uh, I make sure to always tell him I appreciate him, So, uh, especially on this day. Yeah, and so. it's, a, it's a pretty important day in my family as well. Numerous members of my family, including myself, we all served, and, and um, we're fortunate. Thank you for your service. Appreciate that. You're very welcome. And it's a bit, the, the, at least you know for today's day, it was a day we look back on those who passed, and um, I'm fortunate, I can say fortunate, unlike others, that no one's passed in my family, but I know that many people have, and even looking back to Vietnam and so on and so forth, all the losses we had, even recently with Iraq and Afghanistan, it's it's, it's still a very special day. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. So thank you no for problem. acknowledging that. So you've been, you've now been through your first camp with the Rams. How do you describe that experience? Um, it's crazy. Uh, you got so many you know different things. You're uh, still trying to wake up to the reality that you know you're in the NFL. Um, you're going to work every day with guys that you know you've been watching play ball on the TV screen, you know or have on your fantasy team for the last couple of years, and now you're on the same team as them. Um, so it's pretty cool to watch um, and then be also you know, start to become a pro um, and learn from those older guys and, and how they uh, you know, go about their, their business. Um, so, but, I mean, it's, it, McVay's system is, you know, as you'd expect, super complicated. When I first got a hold of the playbook, I was like, all right, like, you know, I knew it was going to be difficult, but it's uh, it's next level for sure. And it's, it's a reason why 
they've had so much success, and it's the reason why I'm really excited to play for them. You you mentioned getting to know some these professionals, some people who hey, you <laughs> fancy football. They're on your fancy football team. What has been your best experience thus far with those players? Who's made the biggest impact on you? Uh, I wouldn't say it's one guy individually. It's, it's, it's a culture that McVay's built. Uh, it's a great locker room. Um, it's just like it's pretty cool when, uh, you know, I can right after practice or something when we break, I can ask, you know, Brandon Cooks or Robert Woods um, a question about something or I'll come off um, after a play and I got Josh Reynolds giving me tips. Um, and what whatnot. So um, that's pretty cool. Blake Bortles, uh, Thursday I was running with the twos. He was our quarterback. So he was telling me uh, about specific stuff because you know when you know you first get started, you're you're not really able to really play. You're thinking a lot, and um, you know you're thinking about what your assignment is rather than uh, to the point where you eventually get so comfortable with it that you're able to just play and be at your best. So. I'm, I'm making that transition right now where I'm going from, you know, the first couple of days you're just learning. You're not really able to play and, and uh, you know, be the receiver that I'm capable of being. So um, just constantly getting tips from those guys and asking about specific plays and, you know, what are, what are our rules exactly? Like when do I have to – a mandatory outside release? Um, am I allowed to do this on a certain route, add a little bit extra and whatnot? You know, just kind of learn from the older guys. Um, because, I mean, they have so much knowledge to offer. They've been in the league for so long, and <clears throat> they've played the position longer than I have. Um, so, I mean, just, just that, and then watching guys like, uh, you know, Eric Weddle, a pro, you know, I think he's, going, he's been in the league for over 10 years now, and just watching how he goes about his business and consistently putting extra work throughout the day, um, it's pretty cool because, you know, you've always, for me, I've always been a guy who prides myself in his work ethic um, and seeing, you know, of all, my model's always been refused to be at work. And I'm looking around with guys that, you know, are, are now I've got a race to the facility to be the first one there and be the last one to leave. Um, it's competition and everything now. So um, it's pretty cool to see a bunch of other guys that are like-minded like you as well. One of the things that keeps getting talked about is the change in speed from the college game to the program. Now, I know you haven't played a pro game yet, but I'm sure you've seen some of the speed of these veterans that are out there now in front of you. How much of a difference really is there from college to pro? Um, I mean, it's just a huge difference because now you're you're amongst the best of the college level, so everybody's fast. You know, linebackers are able to move faster than you're accustomed to. Um, even got, defensive ends... Um, I mean, defense, even defensive tackles, we got, you know, uh, the way Eric Donald um, moves is just ridiculous. I was watching some of the drills he's doing and how quick his feet moves. I'm like, you know, a guy his size is not supposed to be able to move like that. Um, so it's just pretty cool. But you know, um, at the same time, why you're here um, and that you can play fast too. So um, it's one of those things where I ran a hurry-up offense at Wake, and it was one of those things that – we move the ball so quickly and hurry up offense and whatnot that it's impossible to run every play at full speed. Now that I'm in a pro-style offense where you can huddle up, um, you have no choice but to run every play at full speed um, if you want to get open, if you want to create separation and make plays. So um, in that aspect, I know whoever I'm going up against is, you know, they're in the NFL for a specific reason, and so I'm going to have to give my best every play I go out. So was there any player on this team that you stood in front of and you saw stars? Like, you're, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe I'm sitting in front of this person. I was shaking his hand. Oh, my gosh. Oh, maybe he fanboyed out. Was there, was there one that you did that for? Um, no, not really. Uh, I've never been that, that type of guy. I grew up in an environment where there's, you know, I'm near Los Angeles. I had, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hollywood kids go to my high school. So it was something I've always grown up around and learned that, you know, they're just people. Um, just like me, um, but they're they're just fortunate to be in the position that they're in. So, um, you know, it's it's really cool to be able to play with those guys, and you know that they're talented. But for me, I, you know, being starstruck is not something that um, you know I've ever really dealt with. Um, there, there might have had to be specific guys, like you know, Dwayne Wade has been my favorite athlete of all time. Uh, never had the chance to meet him. Uh, probably maybe be a little bit starstruck uh, shaking his hand or 
um, maybe like a guy like Tom Brady or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've grown up around uh, a lot of different celebrities. So for me, just being around them, I know they're just people. Um, but obviously they're fortunate to be in the position they're in. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the Rams thus far? And what do you see now as your role in this team? Um, that I'm a fast learner. That's, that's the number one feedback. Uh, I was thrown in with the two the other day because of my ability to process the offense uh, quicker than most. Um, so, And that's what I pride myself on. I pride on myself on being a hard worker, a guy uh, who's going to give his all every time he you know, every day he wakes up and every day he leaves his head uh, down to rest. Um, and a guy who has a high football IQ and is, is dependable. So I want to be a guy that, you know what, when a guy goes down, they, they can trust me to throw me in and know that I'm doing my job and, um, and a guy, am a guy that they can rely upon. Just backing up a little bit to the pre-NFL days, what actually convinced you to pursue a career in the NFL? Because you just mentioned you're a quick learner, you're a hard worker, there are probably a lot of different directions you could go in. What caused you, what convinced you that, you know what, I want to be in the NFL, I want to play in, the, I want to play in this league? You're talking about from a young age, you're talking about after college finished up? I just think overall, when look, you know, what, what, what got you to make that final decision, I'm going to go this way instead of going the other way? I think it was uh, a handful of things. Just from, just from being a kid when I was little, I think I had major influence from my family. Uh, my dad was constantly watching football growing up. Um, he played when he was younger, and his all his brothers played. Uh, two of my uh, uncles uh, had chances uh, in the NFL. Um, so it was just definitely something that was I guess important in our family. Athletics has always been important in our family. And just, uh, I enjoyed watching it. So, uh, watching guys like Reggie Bush when I was a little kid, um, guys like Steve Smith at receiver and Chad Jacinko and whatnot, uh, they're just really cool to watch. And I felt like, specifically at my position, there weren't a, guys, a whole lot of guys that looked like me. And I wanted to be one of those guys that stood out um, and, and would try to be different. So, um, I knew it was going to be something that wasn't easy, and I was always a kid that was trying to challenge himself. So being, you know, a little undersized white kid, you know, I kind of wanted to, I guess, go against the grain and, um, and, and prove that, you know, I could make it that far. And so I just, that's kind of what I did. My dad knew that was my dream since I was little, and he always gave me advice so that it would give me the best shot to, you know, fulfill my dream. And, um, you know, even at times when you're maturing and growing up and my dad would give me advice that at the time, because I didn't have the big picture, uh, I didn't really understand and I would disagree with, you know, you look back and, and, uh, just nod your head because, uh, you know, great words of wisdom. I'm very thankful that, uh, you know, I had his advice growing up to push me and, uh, help me excel and get to get this far for sure. Now, Wake Forest itself is known for being a good school, but not necessarily an, you know, a major college football school, like not the kind of puts a whole bunch of the NFL, but yet quite a few of you are now trying to make NFL rosters or on NFL rosters. How did playing at Wake Forest prepare you for this opportunity to make the Rams? Um, just It's the culture that Coach Clausen built. Um, he's managed to to change the locker room there and bring in guys that are extremely competitive. They love football and they want to win. So um, those are the guys I've been surrounded around for the last four years. I've had to compete against them, compete with them every day in practice. And you know, you're in what, in my opinion, toughest conference in college football. It goes back and forth. I think with the uh, SEC, but when Clemson's winning national titles, it's hard to argue. Um, so, I mean, those are the guys that have com- been competing against the last four years, and you got to bring your best. you got to bring your A game. And um, so I think a combination of uh, having the right people around you um, that will keep you um, out of trouble off the field and then also on your A game on the field and then on Saturday is competing against some of the best athletes in college football. 
a lot of guys I compete against day in and day out, <clears throat> week in, week out, um, are in the league as well. So um, I think uh, just the combination of all that is is what has you know, brought me to this point where I have a chance now to make an NFL roster. So I think I already have an idea of what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What is one thing that you want Rams fans to know about you as you're working hard to make this team? One thing specifically? Yeah, uh, go for it. There's one thing you could tell them. Um, I'm a kid. I'm a California kid. Um, born and raised. Uh, and I love the game of football. I, you know, I'm obsessed with it. I wake up every day and um, and live it. And so um, I'm, a, I'm from a Christian faith. I've uh, always relied on God, and, and uh, he's definitely been watching out for me. And um, I don't know, I'm just a kid who's willing to do everything it takes to play at this level and, and to help, you know, bring a Super Bowl to Los Angeles. And boy, do we want it here. I'm not going to lie, man. That was just a taste. This franchise has struggled for so long to finally see it winning. And then, you know, we're almost there. Can't wait to see it actually yeah. happen here. Okay, so this is the last part of our, of our interview. I always do this just to help people get to know our rookies a little better, or prospective rookies better. We call it my final five. You ready? Okay. All right, so what's your favorite movie and why? Gladiator. <clears throat> why? Um... Just everything about it, just how he loses family, has to fight back from pretty much nothing, come up from nothing, um, to get back, I guess, that the guy who you know, pretty much took everything from him. And um, I know it's a pretty motivational movie, inspiring movie. And, uh, you know, he goes to be with his family at the end of it. Just the entire plot was, uh, I don't know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was one of the first, uh, I think I think it's Radar, first worried, one of the first Radar movies I ever saw So as a kid. You know, you get to finally see a radar film. It's like, oh, it's a big deal or whatever. So, uh, but it's just always been one of those movies that, you know, if I see it um, available on, you know, whichever Netflix, Hulu, it's definitely something like mm-hmm. at any point I'm willing to watch. Okay, so what's your favorite space? Uh, not space. Sports movie and why? Favorite sports movie? Um, let's see. I I have I have multiple. Um, I'd probably say. Um, my probably my favorite growing up was uh, Road to Glory, and uh, not Road to Glory. I'm sorry, Glory Road. Very good. Movie. Um, very good movie. Um, yeah, I just once again a, a team that you know at the time they were I can't even remember what they're called, but it is now you know University of Texas El Paso, not a powerhouse basketball school at all. Um, you know, and just uh, how the coach, you know sacrificed a lot to try and change the culture and you know make a difference uh in changing you know the racial divide in our country um which is huge and um that was one reason why i just i love the movies an underdog movie as well and uh, to see how all those boys what they had to fight through and overcome to you know be victorious was pretty inspiring but i'm also a guy you know you like i like space jam um with Michael Jordan, I'm excited to see them remake that. I think I think they're supposed to remake it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like tons of sports movies. R- Radio, Radio is one of my favorite sports mm-hmm. movies. Um, but yeah, I, I like movies a lot. It's one of my you know favorite things to do is in my free time is you know go to the movies. I went to the movies. I don't think I don't think this is embarrassing at all. I went to the movies by myself several times in college. If I had a free night and there was a good movie out. I just drive the movies, enjoy popcorn. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's a thing called Movie Pass, or there was. I mean, I've heard a thing of it. Called Movie Pass. I think it went. Out, I think it went out of business because they definitely lost money on me. Um, <laughs> it's like ten, it's like ten dollars a month to go see pretty much unlimited movies. Um, so that's what I would use, and I would go see a movie about once a week. So I'm a big movie guy in general. I don't, I don't think it's weird at all. When I was in the Navy, I used to do that. I, I can't tell you how many times I went to see. Uh, Jesus, this is going to be this is going to sound really bad. To see Episode One, Star Wars Episode One, in the theaters by myself. I was my first, my, my second year in the Navy. Okay, and I'm going to see that. 
and I, I did it twice actually. So I don't, I get it. I, I get it. Went and saw Grease when they re-released it by myself. It's uh, Starship Troopers by myself. So when you're single, yeah. it, uh, the advantage of that is, hey, you don't owe anybody any conversation. You're not trying to impress anybody on a date. You're just there to watch the movie. You can people can leave yeah. it alone. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So so, what's your favorite food? Oh. My favorite food, uh, sushi. Ah, oh, there Gotta we go. Which which what's your favorite kind? My favorite what? Your favorite type of sushi? Oh, I mean, I can go, I can go multiple directions. Um, big crab roll guy, I can go shrimp tempura, um, uh, albacore, um, any salmon roll too. I, I just I like all of it. It's why you know I always start out with edamame and then dive into the rest of it. <laughs> all right. Okay. I'm guessing you since you already mentioned it, it's movies, but we'll give it a shot. What's your favorite hobby? Favorite hobby? I mean, movies are big, but I, lo- I like to travel a lot. It's where I spend majority of my money. Um, I like to go different places, try new things, new experiences. Um, like even in college, even as a student athlete, anytime we got a three-day weekend or anything, I would try and take advantage of it and go, you know, visit one of my buddies at. Uh, university. I probably visited over, you know, fifteen colleges in my four years, anywhere from uh, Princeton to University, you know, University of Chicago to Mizzou, uh, SMU in Texas. I went, went everywhere. Um, see, I, I mean, I went to a game this last. I went to uh, Alabama uh, my bye week last year to go watch a game. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm constantly trying to, um, you know. Build, build good memories and, and travel and try new experiences. I'm hoping at some point, since I didn't get to study abroad, that I'm going to get to go and travel and see the world and cross things off my bucket list. <laughs> so what is the fa- what is your favorite place to visit? Favorite place to visit? Hawaii. Oh. Absolutely Hawaii. Yeah, I'm going to Maui in, in the June with my family. I'm excited about uh, so I'm, so. I'm I'm jealous, man. I haven't I have not been there. I've been to over 20 countries and haven't been to Hawaii. <laughs> I'm jealous. Man. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. It's uh, I've been I've been to like the Bahamas um, and stuff, but it's it's everything you need um, from a tropical location standpoint. But it's all seen in the United States, so um, you know there's, there's a lot more things that you can you can do in that aspect, I guess, because. Like, you don't have to worry about the water or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, just going there, enjoying the resort or whatever, sitting on the beach. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm always waking up early. One thing I love to do when I travel, I always like to work out. Um, I almost look at as at vacation as a workout in just a different location. So, um, whether it's running the beaches in the Bahamas or, or whatnot, like, I always like to run and do workouts and, uh, you know, different locations see i don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> it's actually fun i mean like when you wake up like like when i was in the bahamas like when you, when you wake up at like 5 a.m the sun hasn't even risen yet and then you're on the beach working out um and then you see the sun you know rise while you're work, working out it's pretty you know pretty cool experience i mean it's a personal experience uh, i think that's what you're we're looking for <laughs> looking for that personal experience with life that's yeah, what I get enjoyment out of it. So here's my last question. It's usually my toughest one. If you could play okay. for any coach in the NFL, like in NFL history, who would it be and why? Has to be NFL or can be college? I'm asking for NFL. Um, I have to think about this because Bobby Bowden was always – my mom went to FSU – um, so in terms of coaches, like he was always a coach I really wanted to play for. I don't think he ever coached in the pros, though. Shoot, I mean, I, I like right now. I would, I would take Sean McVay over anybody if I'm just being honest. Um, the fire he brings, he's, you know, he's a young guy um, coming out of this year. That if I could have chosen one coach to play for, it would have been Sean McVay. It's like the fire he brings. He, he has that. You know, he's young, but he's also, you know, he's a genius. He he remembers everything. I don't even, sometimes when he's in meetings, I'm like, dude, this guy needs to slow down because his mind works so quickly. 
So it's just been an enjoyable experience in that aspect. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say him. Oh, you know what? Mike Ditka. Oh, Mike yeah. Mike Ditka. You're talking, yeah. about, you're talking about Saints Mike Ditka or Bears Mike Ditka? Bears. <laughs> well, help us out here because we really, you know, we, we did a lot of our interviews pre-camp, and you were the first guy I've talked to post-camp this year, mm-hmm. and especially coming off a Super Bowl loss. And, and Sean McVay did take some hits for what happened at the Super Bowl. And now you've had a chance to sit with him one-on-one. You're talking about what you're experiencing. You know, is all the hype real? Is all... Is is it all true in terms of what he remembers and what he you know is there and is there any doubt in your mind that this man will coach a Super Bowl team one day a Super Bowl winning team? If I'm I'm being 100 percent honest, like there's no doubt in my mind he will he will win a Super Bowl someday. Like unless unless tragedy strikes or something like the guy is going to have a long coaching career in the NFL. I expect him to. There's no reason why the Rams would ever get rid of him because he's I don't know the guy. The guy remember was will remember plays that you as a player don't even remember you made. Um, just like the first week we were in there, um, he's talking about how when you are trying, we're try, you know, hurry up offense, two minute offense, red zone, you know, trying to score before the end of the half, scoring a game, situational stuff like that. And he's talking about how if you get tackled in between the hashes. Just leave the ball right there, and all the referee has to do is touch it. And he's talking to Woods um, about a specific play where he caught a ball he's in between the hashes, and he just left it there. And he asked Robert Woods about it, and Woods didn't even remember. Um, but, I mean, he was he's able to remember every play in every situation. Um, and when you're talking about the blame uh, of him on Super Bowl, he, he will be the first one to tell you, he, he takes full credit for that, um, and that's just the type of guy that you want to play for, um, a guy who's never pointed fingers, but he knows as a head coach, um, you know, he's going to get a lot of the blame when they lose. Um, but, I mean, he should get all the credit for taking a team that, you know, didn't make the playoffs, um, you know, two years ago and is now a team that is, you know, picked to, to be one of the top contenders um, this year to go to the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, he's, he's cracking, he cracks jokes constantly, uh, in practice or in, um, or in meetings, but he knows both sides of the ball just so well, better than anybody I've ever been around. Um, so I'm, I'm just really excited. It's only been the first couple of weeks. I'm just really excited to, um, you know, continue to, to play for him and, uh, obviously play for him as long as I can, I'm trying to, trying to make the roster and, um, you know, uh, help, help him and be alongside him as we, you know, Los Angeles Rams go for a Super Bowl. One of the things I've noticed over the course of two plus years now of seeing him and Lesney, they they draft their draft classes, their their undrafted classes, their free agent signings and trades. They're not just after playmakers. I mean, everybody's after playmakers. They're, they're after thinking players. They're after players who work hard who are ahead of the game, they're, they're intelligent, have a high football IQ. And just in having this conversation with you, I'm seeing a lot of that, and I get why the Rams went after you. I really hope that you do make this team. I hope that you, um, and if by chance it doesn't happen, I'm sure you're going to catch on somewhere because the, the NFL needs thinkers. I'm not saying it doesn't have thinkers. I'm saying it needs more of them, more folks who are who are sold on every aspect of the game. You know, we're, we're a podcast that does – a lot of X and O's. We do a lot of. We're not just some kind of fanboy podcast, even though some of my questions might have been. <laughs> we love the thinking yeah. aspect of the game, and and I can see that in, in the conversation you're having. So, best wishes to you, Alex, and on this journey you're on. And I hope to see you wearing horns. Those horns, I, those horns are special, man. Uh, you know, you yeah, are. Absolutely. They're special. There's the first in the league. To have that kind of logo on a helm. There's so many different things this franchise has done that, is, that are groundbreaking, and I hope that you get to be a part of that, not just for a training camp, but longer term. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Really so, enjoyed the conversation too. Well, me on. well, thanks for coming on. And can you let folks know where they can find you on social media and basically just to, to learn more about you and or just to give you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, on uh, Instagram, I'm just Alex underscore Bachman, B-A-C-H-M-A-N. 
And then on Twitter, I'm actually a little bit different. My first name is actually David. Um, so it's David A. Bachman, uh, at David A. Bachman. Uh, so that's how you can find me on, on Twitter and Instagram. All right. So thanks so much for taking the time. I hope we'll be talking again. I really do. Hopefully the end of the season when you are you know, on the full 53-man roster and, and making plays out there. Absolutely. Thanks, Derek. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. So what really impressed me about Alex is that he, just like I said at the end of the interview there, he is the kind of guy the Rams are looking for. Smart, intelligent, learns very quickly, has his head in the game. And with great effort, this could carry him to a roster spot. Do not be surprised if he makes his team. If worst comes to worst, he's on the practice squad. And if he's really smart, <laughs> he'll stick around. Like he said, Sean McVay is nobody else to play for. Well, let's see how that goes. I, I really look forward to seeing him and what he can do in this uniform come training camp. All right, folks. That's all I got for you in this packed episode of goodies. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me, Derek C. Paula, at DC Paula. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, pretty much everywhere. Anywhere podcasts can be found. And don't forget, we're also on IEBeatRadio.com on Wednesdays and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So for the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Paula saying have a great one, take it easy, and we'll see you this weekend. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.